Hello, and welcome to another episode of Walk-Ins Welcome. I'm Michael Russell. I'm Gary Okazaki. Gary the Foodie. Hello, everybody. And today we're going to be talking about America's best new, best new restaurants lists, aka we're going to make a list about a list, (laughs) or a list about various lists. And the ones we're going to talk about are GQ, which was released in April of 2019, just to give you an idea, because these aren't restaurants that just opened this year. Food and Wine, which came out in May May 2019. Eater is July. Bon Appetit is September. And the last one was Esquire. Right. And Gary and I have read all of these lists, and we're just going to kind of break down some trends we're seeing across the various best new restaurants lists that magazines and newspapers put out every year newspapers no newspapers no no newspapers okay just magazines and websites right and we're also gonna end the discussion with our predictions for the the james beard awards best new restaurant category yeah i think i'm gonna let you do that one because i was running by my sort of (laughs) ideas and you told me they all opened in 2018 and the james beard awards the new restaurant list as you pointed out is January 1 to December 31 um, of the year previous. Uh, there is actually one other list that hasn't come out yet. It's Thrillist's um, oh. 2019 list, which I think is coming out in the next couple of weeks. Oh, I forgot. So we don't get to talk about that. But um, I think it's actually an interesting jumping off point because um, my understanding is this year they've done what they're doing at Thrillist is a Best New Restaurants Guide by Committee. So they're splitting up the region into various, you know, splitting up the country into like six or seven regions and sending, you know, some of their best food writers out to canvas those areas and then report back. Oh, okay. There's one or two great restaurants in the, you know, Southeast or in the Northwest or whatever it might be, or, or New York city. And, um, I think that's kind of interesting because that is actually also the approach that was taken by eater this year. Um, for their national restaurant list. And I think that kind of points to maybe the future of what these lists hold, because um, after Bill Addison stepped down at Eater to take the job at the LA Times, um, you know, he was like one less uh, guy, single voice, who was traveling the country and reporting back on his favorite, you know, X number of restaurants, 18 or whatever it might be. And I think we're going to see more of these, you know, guides by committee, which is good and bad. You know, I think there's positives and negatives. What do you think about it? I think there's more negatives than positives. I always appreciated Bill's list on Eater. And same, you know, when Ellen Richmond did it for GQ. And Brett Martin does it for GQ now. And I, I, I like those lists when it's just one single voice traveling around the country because they can compare and contrast versus... A bunch of people getting together in a committee like if you've never if person a has never eaten at for example combi how can they talk about how can they decide where to put combi whether to put combi on a list and if so if they're ranking the list whether it's one five or not on the list so i like the fact that there's one voice and i i, I appreciated bill's list at eater um i was less impressed by this year's eater list yeah, um, you have more experience with all the restaurants on that list than I do. I don't know how many of the Eater list you've been to. Um, you can 
I'm sure you can scan it right now and tell me, but I mean, I think locally we were all a little surprised by Arizo being included on that list, which is a restaurant with a very cool mission where they're using, you know, bycatch and what they call trash fish and seafood that might not necessarily appear on the plate at restaurants or, you know, that we might not eat at all. But you and I have both been, and I was just really surprised uh, that, because I felt having eaten there that there was a lot of work to do on the execution of the dishes, you know, and beyond you went, the mission statement. I went after the their list came exactly. out. Exactly. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I that was one where I was, it was a little bit of a head scratcher. I know that our friend Karen Brooks at Portland Monthly put them in sort of a honorable mention category in her restaurant guide. I put them at number nine on my best new restaurants list. You know, I think both of us were sort of saying, hey, you know, we have to acknowledge this restaurant because what they're doing is super cool. But there's just a lot of work to be done um, when you're talking about one of the most expensive tasting menus in the city. What did you think about beyond uh, Arizo or if you want to talk about Arizo? Well, yeah, and I didn't have Arizo on my top 10 for Portland. And uh, it's not that I just scanned eaters lists and I, 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 I I've been to a few of them probably six or seven of them. And I, in general, I agree with the ones that they put on that I've been to, like Atomix. I loved Atomix. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's one of your favorite restaurants of the year. That's yeah, a good it, it was my favorite new restaurant, I think, last year, or maybe behind Hyde in London. I, again, I love Nightshade. I love Tacos 1986. Yeah. Berjou, great. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just I, f- I feel there's more import when... Bill Addison does the list <laughs> as opposed to people. I can't even name one person who went around the country at, at Eater and did these lists. I don't know them. I've never heard of them. I don't know them. Um, but I know Bill. Well, I mean, I know that um, Hillary from Eater, Hillary Dixler Canavan, um, did a lot of the eating and a lot of the touring. And I think she actually probably visited you know, maybe not as many places as Bill, but my read on it was she went to a lot of the places and uh, I, I don't have any inside knowledge here, but I feel her voice came through pretty strongly on that particular okay. list, even though at the end of the day, a lot of writers are bylined on it. But I think that the issue at play is having that singular voice um, can get pretty expensive. I mean, I think that's the reality. If you want to do it the right way, you know, you're probably going to have to visit a minimum of what, like bare minimum 10 cities. At least, yeah. At least. And really, there's probably 20 to 25 cities in America where you kind of have to touch every year. And, you know, all of the major restaurant people, they reach out to local critics like me. They say, what are you excited about? Is it worth me coming? Sometimes they'll say that about Portland. Is it worth me coming just to go to Eam or whatever restaurant is of the moment? And, you know, I think like, well, Portland's a great example. You know, I don't think we've produced a lot of great, great restaurants the past two or three years, but it is a place I think you have to visit. I think you have to visit Portland if you're a a, a, a traveling restaurant critic. And then you add that to Boston, to LA, to San Francisco, to New York, to Chicago, to Dallas, Houston, Austin. It starts to add up. Right. And an- another thing, another aspect that is uh, disadvantageous to these lists is, well, it's, it's advantageous in the fact that they, they travel around the country. They want to be geographically 
um, disperse. You can't have 10 in one city. But, uh, for example, like on my list of the best new restaurants in America, um, I traveled around America, not every place. I don't get to go. I don't, I, I don't go to all the places that Bill would go to or Brett Martin would go to or Hillary would go to. But I, I just think Los Angeles over the last few years has dominated the best you know, restaurants um, in the country. And I think the best are there. And unfortunately, you're not going to have one list is not going to have six or seven LA restaurants, not one single list. For example, right. the beers aren't, for the beer awards, the most you're ever going to get from one city or area is three. That's what I did some research, quick research. And for, for the semifinalists, you mean? Yeah, for, for the, the semifinalists. There are 20, the 20 semifinalists. Okay, that makes sense. DC has gotten it, has gotten three on one year, and LA's gotten three uh, in a, you know, before. And I'm sure New York has too. Uh, so yeah, you know, uh, I think you, you bring up a pretty good point here, which is that when when you're doing it by committee, and the person comes back from you know Georgia, Virginia, the Carolinas, you know the Southeast, and says, you know, there are three great restaurants in this region. They are fantastic. I imagine an editor might be like, no, wait a second, are we going to have two Richmond restaurants and a North Carolina restaurant on here? Like that seems a little excessive. Whereas if you do have that one, if you are that one person making your own list and you had three amazing experiences in Phoenix, Arizona, you're going to include those three. So I, I kind of hear where you're coming from. Uh, yeah, and on my, on my best new restaurants, four of the top five, I rank, I rank them one through whatever. You know, four of my top five are from Los Angeles. Los Angeles County, and there's no 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 list that anyone puts out publicly. It's not going to be that concentrated. To go back just really briefly to the price element here, like you know, you are talking about not just the price of the restaurant meals, which you know, let's say it averages a hundred and. Hundred to one hundred twenty dollars per place. You might bring a friend in the town to eat with you, uh, so that you can have more dishes. Or there might be tasting menus that can raise. You know, the the price can go up to two hundred fifty, three hundred dollars. You're also paying for airfare to those cities for your critic. You're paying for hotels for your critic, which are you know they're what do you think a hundred fifty dollars a night yeah. average for so yeah. if yeah. you're on the road for a hundred days out of the year to visit those 25 cities and then you're spending $300 a day at restaurants. I mean, you just can kind of add it up in your head. You're talking about pretty quickly, you get to a six figure number, right? I mean, if you're going to do it right. Well, yeah, I, I spent, I will have spent close to 140 or 150 days on the road at hotels. You know, every, I, I, I know how many, exactly how many days I'll be at Hilton. This year. 122 days. How are your, but, po how's your points? You got a lot of points. I got a lot of points. <laughs> Hook it up, man. I've already, I've already, I'm already qualified for my diamond status for 2020. Yeah. It's already done. Cause they, all yeah. of our listeners were like, dang, I wonder if Gary's uh, yeah. qualified for that diamond yet. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, and I, you know, I, it's, it's crazy how much I'm on the road. And that's just Hilton. I stay at other hotels too, but um, yeah, I've been on the road a lot and eating a lot. I don't, hotels. I don't. My my job isn't to just eat at new restaurants, even though I do eat at a lot of new restaurants. But you know, it's it's crazy. I don't even want to know how much I spend. <laughs> you could probably find out. Oh yeah, there's probably a filter on your credit card statement. I'm sure. Um, yeah. So anyway, this is just to say, I I wouldn't be surprised if the 
by committee restaurant guides became more of a thing just because, you know, for places like Eater or Thrillist that have local, you know, food writers on on the scene in Portland and Seattle and Boston and Chicago and blah, 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 they can kind of tap into that resource and say, you know, what are you into? And maybe even actually have them write those, um, you know, blurbs for your guide. I agree that there are limitations to it, but just when you think about if you're running that website and you say, all right, well, we're going to spend $140,000 this year just for the eating and flying and hotels, or we can kind of lean on our people who are already paying, you know, whatever it is to, to hook us up with, I don't know. It just seems like for better or worse, that's probably where we're going. I know. Yeah. I mean, all the budgets are kind of shrinking. They're not expanding the food budgets at most places, whether it's magazines or newspapers or websites. That's a job that I personally thought that I would want coming up. You know, when I first started writing about Portland restaurants, I thought, all right, what's the next step for me after work, after my job at the Oregonian? And I thought, well, maybe it'll be, you know, taking over for Alan Richmond. It was a little bit of like a pie in the sky thought for me, but now it just seems like such a slog and, you know, it just, I think can wreak havoc with your personal relationships. And we've kind of talked about this before, but it's like, you know, we're, uh, uh, you, you can't just leave your family for months at a time. I'm not a celebrity chef. You know? And I, I haven't, I'm on the road a lot. Like probably this year is probably 70% of the time. And it's physically hard. I mean, people say, oh, you eat at the best, you know, two and three Michelin, one, two and three Michelin star restaurants all the time. It, it's got to be dream. And, you know, some days I'm thinking, you know, I got I got four, and this is my own issue. I mean, I sometimes I book four meals in a day, two lunches and two dinners, <laughs> and I'm just thinking, oh my, effing god! I mean, and like, you just did it to yourself. You don't know. You to can't myself. even blame your editor. Uh, yeah. You have no editor. Well, one nice thing about Paris is I eat. It's because of the way the times are, the, the way that reservations uh, t- times are. You can only have one dinner and one lunch at Michelin star restaurants in Paris. Oh. So it's kind of nice that I don't. I'm not tempted. I really can't overeat. But another caveat to these lists is that most of these critics, and me included, can only go to these restaurants once, maybe twice, uh, and it's and you make judgments on you know what is the best in restaurant in America on one, maybe two visits. I've gone to night. I mean, I'm, my number one best new restaurant. I'll tell you in in the country right now is Nightshade, and I've been four times this year. Luckily, I spend a lot of time in Los Angeles, and I get to go to Nightshade a lot. And I think four times is quite a bit overspread over, you know, since they open on January second or third. So I I think that's pretty good. And most of my best new restaurants on my list, the one I the, the list that I created, I've been mostly just almost exclusively just one time i'm basing my list on one visit so i know that's that's not the most it's not going to be accurate probably I mean, it's carpet bagging. yeah i mean i don't know about that the british you know this the british critical tradition they only go once and then they trash a place before they opened i just i just blew, blew me away that i noticed that all these critics in london they like go before it opens or they'll go like a week after it opens and write a full review and trash it and trash it i love it it's hilarious it's, i can't Can understand how much pearl clutching there would be in portland if uh right? one of us did that oh my well God. i gotta admit i took my friend karen brooks uh-huh. to a restaurant oh. Oh. uh that on the first night oh well we've gone for the first time at long bond yeah. like 
and we looked at each other and said, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" And you know, I you know I I tried to take it to a restaurant on the first night because we were at another restaurant. So let's just stop by this restaurant and and let's see. But we couldn't get in because it was so busy. So um, I don't know if she's gone to this restaurant since. But and I heard from the chef of this restaurant that he couldn't believe that he said Gary Brock Karen Brooks yeah. the first night uh, that I, we were open I, I, I can't heard, believe that I, I heard about it too <laughs> I didn't want to told me <laughs> and so no, yeah I'm sure he told you I mean if they're open we, we've had this discussion before if they're open you know what they're for a game yeah I think you're right um, so let's talk a little bit about the lists and questions so we kind of Looked over five lists that you mentioned already. GQ, Food and Wine, uh, Eater, Bon Appetit, and Esquire, which came out in that order. Um, I guess you could say the kind of the, is the kickoff GQ or is it actually the James Beard Best New Restaurants well, list? We the, didn't even look at that, did well, we? Well, the James Beard, the semifinalist list this year came out in March. Mm. And that covers oh, okay. all the restaurants of the previous year. So right. it feels a little bit stale, but all these lists in general feel a little bit stale. Mm, do you want to kind of, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. You, you mentioned that right when you came here that you felt like there was a little bit too much liberties taken with new, this concept of new. And I mean, I don't want to be anal about like, you know, Oh, this actually opened in February and you know, you're supposed to only go back a year or whatever, but some of them did feel a little old to you. Right. Yeah, I mean, I th- I swear I I can't remember which one it was. I swear one of these lists has the restaurant that opened in 2017. And I think it's the one that the list that came out just this month, right? The Esquire not, list. Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't no. think it was this that list, but and one restaurant even closed. A restaurant that I actually really love, Henry at um Henry at Life Hotel by by is by J J Johnson. I love that restaurant. I went this year and it's already closed, unfortunately. Hmm. Well, you know, I think you were saying it might have been Le Comptoir de Vin, but that actually opened in November of 2018. So I think they're fair game for Esquire and, yeah, and Food and yeah, Wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's fine. I mean, it's just, for me, I always, because I, I, I do this, I used to do this for fun, where I would go to the best new restaurants of that year, and then at the end of the year, I would make my list of the best, the best from that year. So I'm always, in my mind, I'm always January 1st through December 31st, which coincides with... The beardless, I and guess. And with the sun traveling, with the earth traveling to yeah. its farthest point from the yeah. sun. Oh, no, wait. How's that work? <laughs> I don't know. I'm terrible with that stuff. I know nothing about <laughs> The northern hemisphere tilting away from the sun. Is that what it is? <laughs> oh, man. I got to remember my uh, <laughs> astronomy studies here. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I hear you. That's a good way to do it. But, I mean, if your deadline is, okay, this has to come out in May, then you can do May to May. I think there's – I always give myself a couple months of wiggle room with these things. You're so. May to May, I think. You're, yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. May to May. Or May to September, you know. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I don't mind that as much as you do. But, okay, so we didn't really include the James Beards, at least I didn't, in my thing. And, and I think that it's always interesting with Beards, like – for me, like, does the semifinalist, the long, the 20, does it, is that what you should be looking at? Or is it that type five? The 20. I, <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe for best new restaurants. Yeah. But like for best chef Northwest, historically, well, there's always been, some, they're always trying to throw in a chef from Bend or a chef from totally Alaska. Different. And it's like, well, would that chef actually make the list if they were in Seattle? No, no, of, that's totally different. National lists are different. 
you okay. look at semifinalists. Okay. okay. Yeah. Say so. I I totally agree with you regarding regional lists. All right. So looking at the James Beard Awards 2019 finalists, which deals with January 1st to December yeah. 31st, 2018, uh, there are some places that end up on the other list. Ada in New York City, um, Ada Indian Canteen that gets right. mentioned uh, at least twice. Angler in San Francisco, uh, which got a not one nod. Uh, Atto Mix, which we've already mentioned, one of your favorites. Um, but the, again, the problem but again, is- there's some older stuff like Canard that's been Canard here in Portland and Bywater American Bistro and Bavel that, and Frenchette that were mostly overlooked by the by the other list. Major but, but, but Frenchette was on one of the 2019 lists. Yeah, it was. And, and, and Suerte. Ang- and Angler uh, San Francisco was on Cordinier's list. I think that might have been number one or two in the mm. nation last, last year. year. Okay, right. right, uh, right. So again, that's why... You, I guess to be accurate, you had to look at all these lists over a two-year period, right? Probably. I think that, like, just from a pure reading standpoint, the GQ list by Brett Martin is like the most purely enjoyable. And if I could send you out just to read one list, it would be that oh, one. Okay. I mean, he G, it, it, Brett is a fantastic profile writer and feature writer, and he really treats his list as kind of like a feature. So there's a really a pretty long intro, and each blurb if you will just kind of feels like it's part of the narrative of the story um he doesn't he doesn't rank the list it's just kind of like how does all this tie into the trends i'm seeing in american dining it's interesting that like one of the things he mentioned was how he feels like the excitement that what used to be limited to the coast has now found its way into every nook and corner of america and you do see restaurants in richmond virginia and um, you know, sometimes in the Midwest, although there were not a lot of Midwestern restaurants uh, on this list, on any of these lists this year, um, popping up. Then again, when we looked at kind of where the restaurants from these five lists are, guess what? New York City. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Yeah. Had 10 of the best new restaurants on this list. Of various lists. The total combined of the five lists, there are... Ten, you said there are ten New York City restaurants. Yeah, 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 and then a couple of them are overlapped. A place called Kopitiam. 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 I've been there. I don't like that place. And then Ada Indian Canteen. I've not been there. Oh, you didn't like it, or you haven't been there? I've not been there, but I've been to Kopitiam. And then it's immediately followed by Los Angeles, which across these five lists had eight uh, uh, places included, and it had one of the most overlapped restaurants on it, which is nightshade, which appeared on three of these five lists. So, I mean, you could maybe say, Hey, there's a lot of excitement. I mean, you know, Kansas city or St. Louis, there's a lot of excitement in the Midwest or, you know, certainly Texas gets represented here pretty well. Yeah. San Antonio, Dallas, Dallas and Houston, Houston and Austin yeah, all get Austin, yeah. represented here. If you count Texas as a whole, they're, they're a force here. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, a lot of these writers, Brett excluded, uh, live in New York City or L.A. And it kind of makes and also L.A. is where it's happening and New York's where it's happening. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah. But, I, you know, I think I said this before. I think New York is a bit overrated and they, they, they usually clean up with the beards in general. If you add like they dominate the beards and partly because of that reason. And I think I don't think it's the most uh justified reason for them winning so many awards uh, I think you know 
I, I've said this, I think LA is so far superior to New York City as far as uh, restaurants go these days. It's not. It's just so, like new openings we're talking about. Uh, just in general. Just I mean, yeah. Just in general. I I just I've spent a lot of time in. I probably eaten at two hundred New York restaurants over the last few years, and a great sushi, best sushi. Gary's shrugging. Yeah, you, you can't, can't get can't better that, sushi but. in the United States than New York City. Mm. It's awesome. Uh, sushi. I've been to like 30, 40 of them. We'll see what you think about Honolulu. Well, yeah, you have Sushi Show, I mean, yeah. which is going to be... When you pack me in your suitcase. Yeah, Maylin went to Sushi Show a What'd couple weeks think? ago. Oh, she loved it. Oh, okay. Good. And John Yell went too. I haven't heard from John. Well, she, if she says it, it means something. I just... Oh, she I loves... It, she it loves means. sushi. I mean... Yeah, she's the real deal. Uh, she is. Um... Okay, so New York overrated. Let's just <laughs> I always say <laughs> three that, words. Though. Yeah, I know you do. You've been saying that for years, even when you didn't go to New York for many years. No, I've always gone. I've gone to New York for you know. Didn't you take a long hiatus? Not for no. I took a long. Hi- I didn't go to Los Angeles for a lot of years, hmm. and now I basically live there. Hmm. I'll be in LA soon, a couple of days. Holla at your boy. Yep. <laughs> Um, yeah, gonna gonna hit up Hayato, which oh yeah, you got the which, res. Uh, Bill Addison had written in his review that it was the most exciting and best restaurant he'd been to since his return to LA. So, and again, um, Brandon Go and Hayato have have been have made some of these lists, and they also got a Michelin star. So, yeah, love LA. Lot of stuff going on there. What else did you notice from these lists? What other trends or overlaps or, you know, whatnot did you see? I, I, I'm i really intrigued by D.C. I know you went there recently. I haven't mm. been in... Yeah, D.C. did pretty well here, a right? A few years. They had four restaurants across the five lists with no overlaps. I'm, I think that's impressive. And, they're, they're, and some and, of these and lists... I'll, and actually five if you include uh, last year's beard. So. And, and some of these restaurants' lists are ranked and... Um, Seven Reasons was number one on the most recent list ah, of point. Esquire. Good point. Yeah. Um, the r- restaurants are Call Your Mother, which I believe is a Jew- modern Jewish deli. Huh. Um, Seven Reasons, which you said is number one on Esquire. Kith and Kin in D.C., which we've talked about before. Right, it's Kwame Amwachi's restaurant. Yeah. I'm actually reading his book right now. Um, and uh, kind of a, a rising, definitely huge rising star, young chef from DC. Although I feel like Kith and Kin is a little old for that list. Am I crazy? Uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure he opened in 2018, and he won the James Beard Award for outstanding ri- uh, rising star chef of, for this year. He he won the mm. beard. Yeah, I mean, they again, Esquire can do it however they want to do it. Um, so I guess I should check what the date is. I got to go there this year. I loved it. I love Maidan, which is a couple years old. Um, the chefs have left. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That's true. Okay, so don't go. Or do. I don't know. <laughs> well, wait wait until those two chefs open their own restaurant. I mean, they can still make hummus, right? It's yeah. a beautiful restaurant. Huge, you know, wood-fired grill that's like open 360 degrees that the chefs walk around in this beautiful copper hood right on top. It's pretty dramatic. Let me ask you a question. Do you... I mean, no dare. <laughs> <laughs> Portland has did has done better than Seattle because we were talking about Seattle only has. Oh, Portland's one. done really well. I right. would say there was a Rizzo. Kith and Ken opened in October of 2017. Oh yeah, according to you, that was the one. Is that right? That was the one. Yeah. That opened in 2017. Yeah, I mean it, it. It's cool. I mean, it's good to put the spotlight on on a on a that great two, restaurant. Two and, years old, though, you know, for it's two years old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's two years old though. 
How do you? <laughs> oh, feel? and also the James Beard had a place called Spoken English on their huh. semifinalist list. So that's actually how many five DC right. restaurants across six uh, awards. That's pretty good. Right. That's really good. That puts them like solidly in second behind LA and New York. Third behind LA and New York. New York and LA. Um, okay. What's your question? What do you th- What do you think about how Portland's done on these lists? Is it do you think that the fact that it, the ones that have appeared this year is Matt's Barbecue, Arizo, Matt's Barbecue Tacos. We talked about Arizo. Which I love. Arizo. I love and, Matt's Barbecue Tacos. And then, I was just there the other day. And then there was um, they have a Bullard. They have a bean dip at Matt's Barbecue Tacos now. Oh, that they, they. I ordered it because I was waiting to interview Matt, and oh. it comes in a little like you know plastic container. And then there's like there's like two hundred Juanitas or two hundred tortilla chips. Uh, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, so so yeah, little bit of bean dip in this plastic thing, and then like so many tortilla chips, and you're just I was just sitting there like, oh my god, I'm never gonna be able to finish. Like I finished like ten of them, and it was like there's this mountain of tortilla chips, and then Matt Can't showed you up, ask and I'm like, more? like what am I gonna do? You're like with all these chips, can you ask for more dip? More dip? I didn't even want more dip. I was full. Oh uh, oh, how is Portland done? Yeah, I mean, well, how do you think? I mean, do you think that? Do you think they get? Do you think Portland gets kind of snubbed? Do you think? Well, okay, so Seattle this year got one restaurant on one list, which was Homer. Right. Um, again, we didn't include the Beard Awards, but it looks like a place called Sawyer in Seattle was on the semifinal list. I love Sawyer. List. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, that's, um, you know, that's not really great. Well, oh, maybe Seattle thinks they're getting snubbed. Yeah, but I think they might have a reason. I mean, you and I have both kind of felt like... Oh, I think Seattle's better... I, I do, yeah. I, do I mean, it's hard to say, me. right? Like, we're we're down here in Portland. We're looking up there from afar, and we're seeing restaurants opening, and it seems exciting. You go up there a lot. I do too, but you know, I'm not always able to eat as much as you are when I'm up there uh, visiting friends. The, um, I think that probably all told, the past few years have been better for Seattle as for in terms of new restaurants than Portland. But you know. Portland has done better on these lists. And I don't know if there's maybe an element of like people enjoy coming to Portland. It's a fun city to visit and they kind of expect to find a new Gabriel Rucker restaurant or a new restaurant from Earl Ninson right. from Longbon. Right. Like, and maybe that's going to make their list and maybe they feel like, well, we're going to have a Portland list. You know, we flew here and ate around and it's more exciting. Portland has a more exciting reputation and look, you know, rockstar chef, Matt's barbecue tacos. We both love it. So let's start oh, yeah. there. I'd, can see, could Seattle have done that? The barbecue scene up there is okay, but it's not great. And their food cart scene is generally not very Poor. good. Yeah. yeah. So I don't yeah. know that they could do it. I mean, I will say Seattle is awash with money and everyone's trying to grab up the, the dollars from these Amazon workers who probably don't have that much money actually. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll have stock options, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it depends how high up on the chain you are, but you know, there, there, there's new restaurants opening a lot that seem to have a lot of money behind them. Portland, you know, we play it a little bit safer when it comes to brick and mortar places where, you know, we don't want to risk everything necessarily. The other issue about Seattle is like there are four or five restaurateurs who control a significant portion of the, of the higher end, Mm. Uh, Seattle restaurants like Renee Erickson, Matt Dillon, mm-hmm. Tom Douglas. Mm-hmm. There are three or four more. Uh, Ethan Stoll, and you know they're they're very professional restaurants. They're more cons- they can be more consistent than Portland restaurants. Maybe their highs aren't as high 
as Portland restaurants. But um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, let's break that down. I think that Tom Douglas and Ethan Stoll, let's put them aside because I think they're just churning out, you know, they're just churning Concepts, out. They're, yeah. they're, cha- they're, they're a chef-owned chain, essentially. Right. Um, I don't think they're really worth, their new concepts are really worth talking about. But Renee Erickson keeps doing cool stuff. I didn't love um, the one in the bubbles. I can't remember the name now. The uh, Wilmot's Ghost? Wilmot's Ghost. It was fine. Um, but her steakhouse, which opened Bateau. probably last year, right? Uh, 2017. Bateau. So two, Bateau. two years ago. Was fantastic, I love and Bateau. I think it's like a yeah. new model. I've written this in the paper, but it's like a new model for steakhouses, which a lot of people should follow. Where they're using like one cow that they know where it was raised, or maybe they raised it themselves. I don't know. I think Renee has a has a farmland on one of the islands, right? Anyway, there's a chalkboard there that lists every single cut that they have, and some of them are have a lot of dry aging on them. And once it's gone, once it's been ordered, whatever it is, they just cross it off the chalkboard menu. I mean, that's a really cool and frankly, I don't know. I don't know. Is it a more sustainable way to eat beef? Like, you know, we're going to no kill the Portland, planet eating beef. Right? And no one so. in Portland has a steakhouse as good as, as Patel. No. And I think that like, if you look, I, I wrote actually, so where I wrote this was I wrote about Laurelhurst Market in the restaurant guide this year. And I talked about how they were kind of a groundbreaking steakhouse model 10 years ago where they were like, we're going to offer hanger steaks and bavette and right. all these cuts that are kind of cheap and we can serve them for $28, but we'll make them really nice and we'll gussy them up with Portland chefy ingredients. And I think that if you want to look for what the next model is, it's obviously dry aging. And then I really like this idea of like kind of knowing where your cow comes from. I know it's kind of Portlandia esque, but you know, Look at a classic steakhouse like Ringside or, or in Portland or, or Peter Luger. They're only using like a very limited amount of the cow. You know, they're using certain cuts, the cuts that people will order. And, you know, that's just probably not a sustainable way for us to eat, right. eat beef. Right. You know, I, unfortunately, I love beef. So, you know, we got to figure out a new way, right? Right. And I... Okay, so yeah, that's we, Renee, and then right. Matt Dillon. I mean, Matt Dillon's really interesting. I think he's opened great restaurants uh, with really high highs. Sick and Spruce, his close. his headquarters is closing, right? Or is close? I think it's closing. Uh, yeah, Let, uh, I think it's closing maybe end of the year. Lennon yeah, Plain. I love Lennon Plain. Yeah, and then you know you could argue that he had a role in the rise of Eduardo Jordan because he set up Eduardo at his first restaurant. And right uh, near Eduardo has three places now. Um, yep, June Tar- baby. Tarson I Jane is one of the best restaurants in the Pacific Northwest. They do world. Very few places in the Northwest do world class food. The one time I did go, I thought it was just amazing. Like probably two Michelin star quality food. Canlis, I mean uh, Brady's doing a great job, and he's like thirty two years old. And Canlis is like iconic. One of the most icon- there is no restaurant in Portland as iconic as Canlis. Canlis is one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. Yeah, you're, that's fair. I mean, I, I, I think a place like Higgins does not approach the level of you know the iconic status of right. Canlis. And Joshua Skeens is opening up an Angler in Bellevue. Bell, Bellevue, yeah, uh, next uh, right. Year. And if you include all the all the new Chinese and Japanese restaurants that open in Bellevue, then it's yeah. a whole other thing. I mean, I totally, I I kind of agree with you. Seattle is a much bigger city with right. a lot more money. money. That's what it has going for it. Now, for the ten years from like 06 to 
fourteen fifteen or whatever. A wasteland. Portland. Seattle was a wasteland. <laughs> and Portland had all the excitement, all the hype, yeah. all the fun chefs doing all the fun things. And they were doing it on a shoestring budget, you know, right. where they're opening restaurants for $35,000 or something like right. that. And it's like, and they were cool and fun and people were coming. And I don't know, that's just, that was what Portland did well. Do we still do that well? I'm not sure. No, I don't think we do because it costs more to open restaurants these days. Not all of them. Granted, not all of them cost like six figures or mid six figures. Not, I mean, there are some chefs who can open up. Like, I know how much Han Oak spent to open up Han Oak and it wasn't six figures. It's two million. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's one of the best restaurants in Portland. They did it on a shoestring budget. Yeah, and they're, that's the a place, houses. That's did, a place that's picked away at things. Like, I was there once they were installing a new HVAC unit at Han Oak. Well, they spent a lot of money on re. Yeah, it's, it, they've, they've picked away at it. It's, yeah. it's a work in progress. You know? it's, well, it's a wonderful then, work in progress. And Elena and Ryan Roadhouse. I mean, Notoguro probably is one of the best Japanese restaurants in the country. And they, they did it on the cheap, too. They did it on the cheap, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, so their be beautiful uh, sushi counter is made of bamboo. So right. a sustainable ingredient. Right. Uh, you're not ingredient, but material, a sustainable material. Yeah. So I know we're kind of veering off the yeah, what whole are we best about? restaurant <laughs> thing, but... But Ryan and no, Elena, we're talking about Seattle versus Portland. Right. I think they've been crushing us the yeah. past few years, but we crushed them for 10 years, so about time right <laughs> and we're still doing better on these lists oddly enough uh, oddly enough yeah um but i also have a feeling we're gonna get one on thrillist list so that'll make like four you know oh god or five. Oh, you know i don't know you know no um well let's talk about the beer finalists so i don't because well, i know you had your list i said you were saying how about this restaurant oh 2018 i would say how about this restaurant 2018 oh my god i know but, it's brutal but i i do have i do have a prediction of what the what i think will be the five who i think will be the five finalists for the james beard awards yep hit me uh nightshade um Good pick birdie g's from santa monica jeremy fox's restaurant that's two from la kawi area david chang um Fox and the Knife from Karen Akunowitz in Boston. And lastly, I think, hmm, last one I wasn't sure. I will go with, I don't know, uh, Resdora from New York City. Oh, yeah, that made a list here. Yeah, it's, uh, Pete Wells gave it three stars. That made Esquire's list. Yeah, the chef worked for Massimo Bottura from Asturia, Francescana. So I'm going to go, because it's New York, and I have not eaten at Restora. I've eaten at, and I have not eaten at Fox and the Knife. I love Nightshade. I love Birdie G's. Uh, I, I love Kawi. Verju from San Francisco is Michael Tuss' wine bar, which I think is one of the finest wine bars I've ever been to. Has a chance. Again, I think the problem with LA is there are probably six or seven restaurants that deserve to be that are probably beard worthy at least, and at most only three of them are going to be. Nightshade may not get in. I know a lot of people love Bon Temps and uh, great pastries, amazing pastries. And Bon Temps was number three on the Esquire list that mm. was just released, and I think it made one of the list. And uh, that could that could knock out Nightshade, and there's uh, mm-hmm. Pajoli from Santa Monica, which I love. Um, is Dave Barron's casual French restaurant, Auburn, which Bill Addison really loved. I love the desserts at Auburn. Yeah, and so there are just so many LA restaurants. Tacos 1986. That'd be a fun one. Yeah, I think they have a chance because it's just so you know it's 
DIY. They were a stand, and they opened up in um, on Spring Street in downtown LA a few months ago. I don't think you. I don't think there will be more than three LA restaurants. Oh yeah, on most the definitely semifinalist list. Yeah, only three. I don't think that. I think that would be like everyone around the country would be like, hey, wait a second. You know, they've never. I don't. I've never. I couldn't find four from one city, mm. and I did. I like went back ten years. Oh wow. Okay. And cool. I could only find three a few times. Um. Anything else you want to talk about these? This uh, our our sort of recap of the of the year in best new restaurants. I do, I do think Portland will will have uh, a semifinalist. Will, yeah, I think it's either going to be Eam or Gato Gato. That's uh, what I'm. That's what I'll predict. I, I know. I think that that's fair. I, I probably shouldn't comment on that, but you well, know. well, yeah, yeah. But we'll see. Um, I think Seattle. What's weird about Seattle is they have this one restaurant which is. Actually, my second favorite new restaurant in America called Bisato, owned by Scott Carsberg, who actually closed Bisato in 2012. Right, right, right. And right. then and reopened, reopened this yeah. year. So I'm not exactly sure what... If he just changed the name of the restaurant, there eligible. wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. But it's the same name mm. and the same type of cuisine. How different is the food? Pretty I don't know. Similar. I never went yeah. to Bisato back in 2010, 2012. Okay. So, but it's Italian food. So I, I don't know if that'll disqualify them. Same with Pizzeria Beria. He's he had a Pizzeria Beria before. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they can be qualified. Okay. I think they're. I th- I don't know about Bisato, but I think Beria. I just feel like, you know, he went on a hiatus, but that. They probably scooped up new restaurant nominations like from Bon Appetit when they opened, right? Yeah. I kind of wonder how all this will... And I guess, you know, the beer... Well, first of all, I don't know. I mean, who knows what people think of Basaro or Beria. I mean, Beria made a list. Basaro didn't make any lists. What else? Oh, you want to talk about croissants? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 I love croissants. I went on your... on your. I only was able to go one day with you on your... Croissant trek. Yeah, epic. So I, can I, let me ask you a question. So mm-hmm. where would you, because I know you went to Tartine Bakery. I did. In Berkeley, not the original That's location right. in, in Los, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I haven't been to Tartine Bakery in about two years. Mm. Where would you have put Tartine Bakery in Berkeley's croissants on your list? Where would it have, where to, would it have ended top up? Top three. Okay. But I don't think it would have knocked off Trifecta necessarily. I mean... You know, a couple of things about it that I think would be against it are, first of all, the high price. Um, How much was it? I'm going to have to check the receipt. But Five? I, I think it was close to six. Are you kidding? Yeah. Six dollars for a croissant? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, the Portland average Portland croissant is three fifty. Nouvray, which was number two on my list, is two ninety five. So as you mentioned in your price. piece, like in Paris, most croissants are dollars one one point uh, like one sixty euros, one point six zero euros, 1.70 euros, less than two euros. Yeah, I mean, you can find them for a, a little over a buck, essentially. Um, yeah, I don't have that uh, receipt near me, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I think it was close to six. Oh, service was terrible at the cafe for whatever that's worth. Um, and what's the? There was actually a third thing. You know, the the one I got had very very dark bands uh, uh, on along the nose. The sort of the that tapered edge of the croissant that gets kind of ribboned around yeah. that very topmost laminated layer. Essentially, was it was right in that Bernie you know, burnt category that I personally found a little bit too much. I know that a lot of, you know, super intense 
bakers, you know, they like to push the limit on dark. I mean, right. Ken Forkish, who made our, I guess I should say the Oregonian recently published a list of the best five best croissants in Portland. So Ken Forkish, who did the number one at Trifecta and the number three at Ken's Artisan Bakery, is known in Portland for pushing like very dark bread. That's sort of his signature huh. thing in the first few years. He's like, ah, bread's too dark. I don't like that dark bread. Now we've all kind of like grown a taste for it and right. we think it's lovely. So I don't know if maybe my taste in croissants just like, it just pushed me a little too far, but you know, maybe that's uh, something I could grow to love with time. Or maybe it was a, a batch that was a little too dark. I don't know. It's hard to say, right? Okay. Yeah. So let's say there would be number three. Oh, well, that's still, I, that's still high. Yeah, it'd be so. It'd be you know, it'd be Perfecta, nice Nouvray, and then yeah, with Ken's coming at fourth. Yeah, and then um, Tartine, and that was at the Berkeley branch. And I don't know if it'd be better. I've never eaten a croissant at Tartine other than the main branch in you know wherever's I can't I, I can't remember the neighborhood it's located. I think it's the Mission. I think it's located in the Mission. Anything yeah. else you want to chat about? Nope, that's uh, it. Great to see you, buddy. Thanks nice for coming. Nice seeing you. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>